0: And welcome to episode seven of Keeping Up With The Krakens, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your host, Tyler Bell, located in the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, I am joined by my very good friend, Alec Durham. How are you today, Alec?
1: Oh, kind of fighting it today, a little under the weather, I think, but uh, we're going to grind through it, get through it. uh, Big team effort today. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, always a big team effort.
0: I'm doing pretty good. How's your uh, Halloween going? Happy Halloween to everyone out there listening as well. Hope it's going good. Durham, anything exciting happening in your Halloween tonight or what?
1: Mm, you're looking at it. Watching <laughs> some hockey. Seattle cracking or playing tonight. That's what I'm doing on Halloween. Yeah, that's what I'm doing too.
0: I'm watching the Cracky get a spooky win tonight against the New York Rangers. Uh, but we'll get into maybe some of those game previews a little later on. Uh, And just previewing this episode, what we're going to talk about is game seven versus Montreal and game number eight of the year versus Minnesota. Then we're going to jump into some prospect uh, talk. Uh, So we're going to name that the squid squad going forward this season. So a little bit jumping into the squid squad and see, you know, how some of these prospects of Seattle Kraken are doing this year and touch on that. And then, of course, uh, we'll jump it to some uh, around the NHL discussions so maybe some blackhawks turmoil that's going on um some eichel information too we got uh, some new stuff to talk about there and then touching on a bit of contract talk as well so you know lots to to, to talk in this uh in this pod today so it's going to be very exciting so why don't we hop right in uh with game seven versus montreal and yeah, just looking ahead at this, or looking at this game here, Grubauer got the start. Uh, they had the same D as last game. And then a little bit different up front, Durham, with McCann on the third line to start this one. So you got your leading scorer on the third line with Tanev and Appleton to start this
1: game. What's your thoughts on that? Well, we talked about on McCann was going to be able to bring versatility to this team if you needed him to slide over to center for a few games. He was capable of that. And he's kind of slumped a little bit the last couple of games. So maybe they reunite him with Tanev, someone who he knows from playing the last couple of years with in Pittsburgh there. And uh, we'll see if they can connect on something through the game, get them going.
0: Yeah. And uh, very interesting. You bring that up. There are two guys who definitely know each other there. And then of course, Tanev has been leading this team in goals since game two. So uh, maybe trying to find a little bit of a spark between those two players going forward and, uh, and against Montreal here, which is a bit of a rematch from the 1917 Cup Final where these two teams played off. So this game is almost 100 plus, or over 100 plus years in the making, which is a pretty cool note there. Um, and then another cool note to add on too, um, George Vesna was in net uh, for the Montreal Canadiens in that 1917 Cup Final. And then, of course, you have Grubauer, starting goalie for Seattle Kraken, who was a finalist for the Vesna Trophy last season so him being in this game as well so kind of a cool connection there going into this one eh?
1: yeah just a little bit neat fact there for everybody yeah just something to throw out
0: for the fans uh just so they know it because i thought it was pretty cool pretty cool connection there but yeah heading into this how they raised
1: the banner against montreal too
0: oh yes the banner raising as well against montreal almost like they just had to throw it in their face a little bit Um, so i do like that uh definitely a cool thing to do right before this game they they did a pre-game so we didn't really get to see it much on the broadcast which a little disappointing but we've seen enough on social media of it so that was pretty cool and you know maybe one day we see some of those colors brought back those metropolitan colors and turned into a possible third jersey you think we see that an outdoor game possibly yeah, in an outdoor would game, I know there's talks. I, I bet Getting you that's the direction that they go. Yeah, I bet you that's the direction that they're gonna go with it. I'm hoping so. That would be pretty fun. I think they'd look uh, pretty awesome in those jerseys. But yeah, jumping right into this game, uh, just over a minute in, uh, some one guy that hasn't been finding the the score sheet much as of late, Jordan Everly walks right in and snipes one over the glove. Uh, to get things going early on here for the Kraken in this one. What would you think of that snipe from Everly?
1: What a rip. Just walks in, finds a little bit of empty space, and just fires it over the glove there. Allen didn't have a chance when you give Everly 10 feet of space in tight like that?
0: No, not at all. And it's really good to see Everly finally find the back of the net this season, and that was his first as a Seattle Kraken. So hopefully that starts to get things going for him uh, with this team because he's Been in a bit of a slump to start this year. Mind you, he's had a lot of great looks, but has just been a bit snake bitten. So really good to see him get off to a really good start in this game. And, you know, a few minutes later, he did take a penalty, but it was no problem. Seattle was able to kill that thing off. And credit to Grubauer for making a, a bunch of good saves early on in this one. And, you know, talking about nice saves. He absolutely robs Brendan Gallagher on a two-on-one as he kicks across and gets his right skate on a puck. And that was just a huge save from Grubauer and ones that
1: you can expect him to make throughout the year, right? Man, that hurt just watching it. Are you kidding me? Like Post-to-post, full split, gets the toe on it. Not a chance I want to even do that.
0: Oh, I know. I would not be able to do that myself either. I'd be pulling groins, left, right, and maybe even center as well. So, so it wouldn't feel good at all. um But yeah, Seattle was looking real sharp in this period, looking comfortable with with each other out there and really pushing the pace of the game. And then with about eight minutes left, a weird bounce off the back wall. Uh, takes another bounce out front uh, to open Hoffman and he puts away a rebounder to tie this one up. And on that play uh, Schwartz high sticked him just as he was shooting that. So originally they did call it a four minute penalty uh, because he was bleeding on the play, but because the high sticking kind of happened as the shot was going off, they negated uh, the one penalty and it was just a two minute after the goal. So Um, that was kind of something that happened on the play worth noting there, but it doesn't really matter because Seattle would kill that off and they wouldn't really allow Montreal to get any dangerous chances on the play. And it kind of just speaks to the penalty kill of the Seattle Kraken team right now. They're sitting top five. So, you know, just speaks to how important this penalty kill has been for the Seattle Kraken. And would you argue maybe it's been the best part of this team so far to date?
1: Oh, that's certainly an argument you can make. I mean, the power play has been shaky at times. They're not really attacking, getting anything into the middle. They're always shooting from the perimeter and not getting a lot of one-time opportunities. So the goalies are getting chances to set. And I think five on five, they've been getting beat a little bit, especially late in games. So when the penalty kill is able to save their top five in the league, it's tough to argue anything, any other aspect of your game is that good right now.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, when it comes to that penalty kill it's it's something that's going to have to be a strength for this team going forward if they're going to be competing in games and and trying to battle back this year and work their way into a playoff spot so to see it you know be a strength of this this team early on is a big sign and a positive sign and moving ahead you know who else but turbo tanev to get the lead back in this one with a beautiful tip over allen from a feed from uh, oleksiak uh, somebody who's been playing really well as of late as well, but I think it was really McCann who got this play started as he entered the zone, you know, stopping up and, and dropping it for Alexiak to find some room and throw it out to Tanev, uh, who was able to tip it in out front. So great play by McCann there.
1: Yeah, that was a nice read seeing their D step up knowing he had Alexiak trailing behind him and there was going to be empty space in front if he was able to eliminate that defenseman. So he makes it look like he's going to cut into the middle and he leaves the puck and takes the D stick there, which creates opportunity for Alexiak to come in and gives him an extra couple of feet before the next defender closes. And he makes a nice backhand pass to Tanev there.
0: He did. He made an awesome play. And... You know, with a minute 40 left in the period, the Kraken find themselves with their first power play chance of the night. And they had some good looks on it, but they weren't able to come up with any goals themselves. So the period would end uh, with shots 12 to 9 in the Kraken favor. They killed off both those penalties that they took and Alexiak with two assists in that period. So like we said, a guy who's been playing and jumping into the play and looking more engaged as of late. And that does make sense now that this team is starting to play more games and get more comfortable with him. Uh, So it's good to see a guy like Alexiak kind of finding some offense too early on in the season. And then early in the second period, it's been pretty much all Grubauer making saves, looking steady. And that would lead to a a sloppy turnover as well from Montreal. And the Kraken would go the other way on a three-on-one. And Yanni Gord would wait wait and wait some more and just frees up jake allen in the crease brings it to his backhand and tucks home his first goal of the season as a seattle kraken and that was just a great show of patience and skill especially not to force the pass on the three-on-one and take it him take it in himself and uh, make jake allen look silly on that play hey
1: Well, it was a perfect display of deception, right? Because he doesn't get just Jake Allen and making him play him as a shooter, but he also makes the defenseman think the pass is coming and gives himself space to cut across the crease there. Because otherwise, the defenseman would kind of cheat it just a little bit to make sure that he can't cut across, because it's your job to kill the pass and the two-on-one and make sure that the forward can't cross the Royal Road there. But he does a nice hey. job of fooling both of them and creating the space there to cut right through the crease. And oh, He had Allen almost in the corner.
0: Yeah, that was uh, just an absolute sick goal by Gord and good to see him get his first as well with this team and kind of start producing some offense himself. So, you know, he's been such a good player ever since coming back from injury and he just proven why he's a top line player on this team. And just a minute later after. Yeah, he hasn't. And yeah, just a minute later, after Gord finds the back of the net, uh, he finds Tanev streaking up the middle and you know sauces a pass over to him. And Tanev makes no mistake as he tucks it five hole on Allen for his second goal of the night. And just like that, we have a four one crack and lead in this one.
1: And hey, Montreal's having a tough start to not just this game, but the year. Everything just seems to be bowing downhill for them.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of how things have been with uh, this Montreal team early on. You know, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, but I didn't think that they would be getting blown out this bad this often early on. But again, it still speaks volumes to uh, some of the play that the Kraken have been doing this year. And, you know, recently in this game, like their offense really took off in this game. And I think that's something we've been waiting to see all year. Uh, so it's great to see some goals go in for this team and be rewarded for some of their efforts. And this was just at the halfway point of the game where they were up 4-1. So still plenty of time to produce more in this game going ahead.
1: How far we've come from Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely nice to be on the other side of, of a big win or a big blowout game for sure. Um, and then, yeah, with thirty-seven or 31 seconds left, Appleton squeezes by Sammy Niku against the boards and kind of falls awkwardly and Niku lands on the back of his leg and he's clearly in some pain on the play. Bit of a tough break for Appleton there. Uh, He did draw a penalty on the play, but he did not return after this play. So it looks like Appleton is going to be out for a little bit as he's been placed on the IR. So a bit of an awkward play. Let's hope he's okay. And he's back in the lineup soon. Uh, but yeah, jumping into the third like having it is a depth guy you like having right like you know he's he's been tossed around on a few lines he's seen, seen some time on the second line you know he's mostly been on third and fourth line roles but you know a guy who brings it every night and you know your team's going to be better with this guy in the lineup versus not in the lineup so you know let's hope he's better soon and jumping into the third period here uh it just continues to look like the Kraken's best game to date. And, you know, it's really important for this team to to shut down uh, Montreal in this third period because it's been a great period for them or a great game for them. And something they've struggled with is closing things out in the third period and games this year. So you really want to see them just shut things down um, and walk away with the win. And what better way of keeping the puck out of your net by hemming uh, Montreal in their own end? And that's exactly what this Kraken team was able to do for the first five minutes of the third. And Donato kind of steps in and says, you know, I want in on some of this offense. And he makes a great interception right out the blue line and breaks all the way down alone into the Montreal end and goes roof daddy on the backhand. And this is a big goal for Donato, a guy who was scratched for the home opener. And you got to think this is going to help him maybe find some consistency uh, going in, going ahead in the lineup with this team. eh? Well,
1: it's tough to take a guy out of the lineup. If he's putting pucks in the back of the other team's nets, if he results in it going in the back of your net, it's pretty damn easy. But as long as he's putting it in the other team's net, you can forgive a couple things here and there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this, Donato was brought into this team to create offense and something he's kind of struggled with early on, but uh, it was really nice to see him put a beautiful goal in the back of the net and get things going for himself. And, you know, hopefully he'll continue to do that and continue to find a spot in this roster going forward. And then, yeah, right at the end of this game too, or near the end of the third period, Seen a bit of a dirty play by uh, Cedric Paquette of the Montreal Canadiens as he kind of slew-footed Dunn behind the Kraken net. Not the type of play you want to see in a hockey game. Um, You know, those type of plays commonly lead to injuries because it's such an awkward fall and, you know, slew-foots are a dangerous play. But, you know, lucky enough, Dunn was okay. Kraken would get a power play from it. Again, they would have a a few nice looks, but uh, nothing would come of it. And then, right in the last minute, the fans get off their seats and give a standing ovation for the first ever Kraken win at Climate Pledge Arena. And first of many, I should add, right? Woo!
1: We're gonna get so many. We're going to fucking playoffs here. So Through it. Let's go. We're going yeah, streaking. No.
0: <laughs> Let's go streaking. But no, honestly, though, it was awesome to see the fans react to the first-ever win in that arena. They were so loud in this game once again. And, you know, they've been dying to watch a win, especially having it come two and a half weeks into the season. Uh, I'm sure, you know, all the patience paid off for them, and this was a huge win for their first-ever win at home. And, yeah, just reviewing some of the notes of this game, it was a total team effort, very deserving win. For the Kraken, they kind of manhandled the Montreal Canadiens in this one. You know, shots were pretty close, though, 26 to 24 in favor of Seattle. And I think this was the first game of the year. Correct me if I'm wrong, it could be the second game, but maybe the first where they had a 60% or more uh, faceoff percentage success rate in the faceoff dot uh, in a game, something they've been struggling so it was really good to kind of see that they've been winning some draws, uh, because it's something they haven't been doing as of late.
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier when you start with a puck, right? And that's probably what they showed tonight.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And yeah, just looking at some of the the star players of this one, no doubt in my mind, Tanev is the first star in this one. Getting two goals, he was a plus three. He was all over the ice, everywhere. Three shots on goal. He had six hits. And he did it all in just under 15 minutes of time on ice. So you want to expand on that?
1: Well, it's like we said earlier, right? Guy's just a water bug constantly flying around out there. He's just going board to board. And it might be north, south, east, west. He doesn't care where. He wants to do everything.
0: Exactly. He is just a water bug out there. Does it all. And speaking of water bugs, another guy who's just like that, Yanni Gord. He had a goal and an assist in this game. Five shots on goal was eight for eleven on face off, so he was an absolute beast on face offs. And the amount of time he's been playing since coming back has been astounding. Like he played twenty one minutes and twenty four seconds in this game, and you know he's not being feathered in lightly. Uh, Early on in this season, he's been thrown out there in every situation, you know, whether it's power play, penalty kill, he's getting some time, you know, uh, important moments in the end of games. Uh, So it's really good to see Yanni Gord getting all this ice and he's looking confident and comfortable uh, in the lineup and doesn't look like he has any effect of his uh, shoulder injury, uh, you know, messing with him at all to start this season. So definitely a big plus for this team. So hopping over, uh, we have game eight of the season versus Minnesota a couple nights later. And you know what? Other than the first game of the season against Vegas, uh, you know, they had a nice healthy lineup and that was a tough Vegas team. This would probably be their next hardest test. You know, you could argue the Philly game was probably a really hard test for them as well. But Minnesota coming into this game Five and one record. Um, They're off to a really hot, hot start. So this was going to be a big game for the crack and to continue to build off the performance they had against Montreal. And just some pregame notes heading into this one. Um, Appleton, you know, he was out with the injury from last game. So Nathan Bashan finds his way back in the lineup. He gets slotted in on the fourth line where Geeky was put last game. And so Geeky gets bumped up. Uh, back to the third line where he belongs, essentially. Um, you know, happy to see that guy back on the third line because
1: that's where he should be. Get a chance to unleash that rocket of a shot.
0: Exactly. We want to see another snipe from Morgan Geeky. He does shoot the puck enough. We should be seeing more from that uh pretty pretty soon here. And yeah, Minnesota was the team who got things going early on in this one. As Kaprazov finds Hartman, who is You know, a bit of, he was alone out front for a bit of a wide open net and he buries one pass grew for the one, nothing lead. And you could kind of see it coming. Minnesota looked pretty sharp at the start of this game. You know, they're flying out of the gate. Uh, They played really well too as a five man unit on the ice. And they're showing why they have a five, one record uh, so far this year. And then, you know, shortly after that bastion heads to the sin bin for goalie interference uh you so you can't be can't be doing that bastion getting back in the you lineup can't do in that. penalties <laughs> you can't do that and yeah seattle would kill it off with ease though and that penalty kill just continues to be the strongest part of the seattle team and then yeah with six and a half minutes to go in the first uh pup gets thrown off the board right to flurry and he he absolutely rips a snapshot that finds its way through traffic and into the back of the net. And that's Fleury's first goal as a Kraken to tie this one up. And that was a, just a beautiful shot, eh? Well,
1: it's exactly what you look for from a point shot. And the number one rule, if you're shooting from the point, is it's got to get through. And it's like got to get through or to the net. You can't be shooting it, getting off the chin pads of the guy right in front of you or the next layer behind him. If you don't have a lane, you got to put it down low. He sees that he recognizes and he finds the perfect lane to get that puck through and finds his first for first with the Kraken.
0: Yeah. And it was a beauty nonetheless. And that really helped get the crowd into this game as well. They really erupted after he scored that goal. And at one point in this period, shots were eight to two for the wild, you know, getting off to a good start for them, but Uh, The Kraken brought that back to 13-10 in favor of Seattle before the end of the first. And they had a lot of real quality looks uh, in the last minute of the period as well. And that led to Donskoy uh, taking a high stick to the face with five seconds left. And he draws a four-minute power play heading into the second period. And they pretty much picked up right where they left off in that second period. They were all over them for the four minutes of power play time that they got from that penalty and the power play was looking much more comfortable uh, than it has been for quite a while. So it's good to see that kind of coming together though. They didn't score on it. It's good to see them, you know, getting tons of opportunity on the power play and creating. Um, So that's going to be important for this team going forward as well. And, you know, shortly after that power play kind of built off some of that momentum. And once again, it's Hayden Fleury, and he has a nice fake slapper and then throws it up high on Talbot trying to pick the corner. Doesn't exactly happen, but he picks up his own rebound for a wraparound goal and his second goal of the night. So it's great to see Hayden Flurry break out offensively, especially for a guy who's been fighting to stay in the lineup on this team because of all the nice and healthy competition that he has on the back end who are fighting for position uh on a d spot on this team as well right so give me your thoughts on a guy like hayden flurry
1: well it was nice to see in this game a glimpse of the player ron francis thought he was getting when he drafted him seventh overall back in 2014 there you know one spot ahead of william nylander ouch but uh it's nice to see him becoming that big two-way nice skating defenseman with a good first pass and like you said starting to get in offensively too i mean how many D do you see getting down low on a fake shot, picking up the rebound there, and then getting a wrap around? Who the hell even scores wrap arounds that much anymore?
0: <laughs> yeah, not happening too often in the NHL these days. But nonetheless, a great play by Flurry, great IQ to to understand that he wasn't going to get an opportunity short side, and that you know his only option was to take that puck around and and get a get a nice, beautiful wrap around goal out of the play. So. Um awesome to see Hayden Fleury, you know, putting up the goals and putting up some offense because that's what he's been brought in to this team to do. And, you know, hopefully he could build upon that. And yeah, just before the end of this period though, Kaprizov gets a chance to go in on Grubauer and Grubauer absolutely shuts the door on Kaprizov and, And that's just a huge save going into the third and not allowing any momentum to go the wild's way after having, you know, potentially the most dominant period of play this season from the Kraken in this second period. And I feel like I've said that a lot recently, but it just speaks to how much this team is improving game by game.
1: That's what you look for, especially as a new team coming together with everybody from scratch here. Is every game you got to find a way to get better in some aspect of it. So it's nice to see Mm -hmm. that as we're going, we're getting better results against worse teams and we're getting in the games more against the better teams. So this is a big confidence boost for everybody.
0: Oh yeah. Huge confidence booster. And you could tell they were feeling it in that second period. They were all over them. Shots were 17 to five for the Kraken in that period, which would bring it to 30 to 15 overall after two periods. And they were just doing everything out there, creating offense. They had puck possession like crazy. And other than that one chance by Kaprizov, there really wasn't much given to Minnesota and much opportunity to make any offense for them. So very dominant period. And again, we're in familiar territory with the Kraken uh, where they find themselves going into the third period with a lead. And they need to find a way to play a full 60 minutes and close this one out. And yeah, early on, Seattle gets another power play opportunity, but again, not much comes of their chances. So yeah, that's been a bit of a struggle for them. And most of this third period stayed pretty uneventful in the, well, in the first half, uh, especially, and that's kind of what you want if you're the team that's ahead and holding down a lead in the third period. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, you'd want all the events to be happening at the other team's end and often breakdowns from them and quick turnovers that gets you an opportunity because you're not trying to give them anything.
0: Exactly, and that's kind of what we had going on in this game. Um, And then on the back end of that third period, uh, just at the start of it, start of the back end there, Flurry takes a penalty, so he's back on the score sheet but in the wrong way. Um, But it's no problem for Grubauer because once again, he comes up with some massive saves on the penalty kill. And then right after that penalty kill too, he continues to put up massive saves and you got to give Philip Grubauer all the credit in this third period, because uh, there's no way Seattle wins this game without uh, his incredible effort in this third period. He was making, you know, massive save after massive save and really showing why he's one of the elite goaltenders in the NHL.
1: Yeah. He's really establishing why he was, you know, nominated for the Vesna or a finalist for it, I guess I should say, not just nominated and why he's worth his money that he got in the offseason this year, maybe saying to Colorado, Hey, this is what you're missing out on.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Especially with the start that uh, Darcy Kemper has had in Colorado. Um, yeah I never really liked that decision uh from Colorado to let him walk, especially when uh you could have got him at a pretty good price and not gave up a first and other assets to acquire a goaltender who's you know technically probably playing a little worse so far this year, so you know it whatever it is what it is, it's a big one for Seattle to be able to pick this this guy up and lock him in for you know, five plus years here in Seattle. Um, But yeah, looking at this game, uh, Seattle was able to put this one away with a couple empty netters from Tanev and the captain Giordano. And they get another huge win, 4-1 over the Minnesota Wild. And they officially have their first win streak in franchise history. So big, big wins back to back for Seattle here and looking like a much better team in these last two
1: games. Wouldn't you agree? I told you, man. We're going streaking. We're not stopping at yeah, well, two either.
0: <laughs> I hope. I hope we don't. Um, and yeah, player standouts in this one. Um, back to Hayden Flurry. You know, two goals, two penalty minutes in this one was a plus two. But he had six shots on goal, which is huge. Three hits, two blocks, and he did it all in fourteen minutes and eleven seconds of ice time. So to get all that. In that amount of time is pretty insane, to be honest. And I'm I'm really surprised that he didn't play more time in this game, to be honest. But, uh, you know, he made the best of his opportunities in this one.
1: Yeah, talk about being efficient.
0: Mm-hmm. And Grubauer, obviously, Grubauer a huge star in this one. Uh, you can pretty much debate who would be the first star between him and Flurry. Um, Grubauer put up 30 saves in this one. 16 of those coming in the third period for a very, very nice 9.68 save percentage in this game. Um, so back-to-back games for Hour where he's let in one goal and come up huge in third periods. So maybe a bit of a turnaround for hour going forward. And yeah, hopefully he could build off these uh, performances because Seattle's going to need it going ahead.
1: Yeah, he's going to build and, off of it shut everybody up from now on. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that would be insane. It'd be some Markstrom shit that's going on right now, right?
1: Oh, that is he got, on fire? Uh,
0: he is. That guy's on fire. Three shutouts in the last four games. Yeah, Does pretty he he insane.
1: Like right? Jacob Markstrom?
0: Yeah, Jacob Markstrom? What? <laughs> Those Swedish goaltenders, right? Uh, they have a knack for being elite goaltenders in the NHL, and he's just following that same trend.
1: Well, Edmonton might so be it, regretting passing on wallstat then.
0: Oh, I know, that's, that's a tough look for them. But yeah, we'll see how things work out uh, in that scenario. But yeah, moving ahead here, um, we're going to talk about the Squid Squad. So looking ahead at Seattle's prospects. So obviously Seattle right now aren't sitting on many prospects right now. Uh, you know, they've had one draft, and that was the 2021 draft. Uh, where they picked for the first time ever. So between those seven players that they picked, uh, which we'll be naming in a second, uh, they also signed their first ever player before all this, Luke Henman, who was initially a pick from Carolina. So again, going back to the Ron Francis roots, uh, a guy that he would have been at least somewhat familiar with. Um, Luke Henman was picked In the 2018 draft in the fourth round, so 96th overall. Uh, He's 21 years old right now. And he was actually the first ever player signed by Seattle Kraken, uh, which happened on May 13th. So, you know, he's part of this prospect list. Uh, So looking ahead at Luke Hedman here. We'll get started with him. Um, He's been in the QMJHL. uh, So he's been putting up some good points there. Uh, But he's only played two games uh, in the AHL so far this season. So I think he's dealing with some injury problems early on. Um, You know, he's been a point per game guy the last two years before that in the Q. So a guy who can definitely produce offense. But, you know, not somebody you're going to expect to be a top six player in the NHL, I don't think. You know, he probably tops out around that middle six. And, you know, he'll still be lucky to get there. So somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, He is a centerman too. So um, they do have a good little stockpile going with prospects and and centermen here. So he kind of adds to that. But yeah, Luke Henman, first ever player uh, signed by the Seattle Kraken. So it's pretty cool. A bit of history for him to be a part of.
1: Yeah, speaking of history... And first, with uh, doing with Seattle, how about their first ever draft pick? Matthew Beneers. You know, gets taken second overall in 2021. He's a hell of a player.
0: He is a hell of a player. And, yeah, why don't you expand on your thoughts on Matthew Beneers and, you know, the first ever player drafted by this team and what fans can expect from Matthew Beneers and maybe a bit of a timeline for when you think he'll be ready for NHL games?
1: Well, he's a guy, you know, came up through the program in the States. They're the U.S. national program. And then uh, actually got to play his uh, draft season in the NCAA, something you don't see a lot from a bunch of players. But it was weird, actually. We saw three of them last year. With uh, all of the same team. And Veneers was one of their top centermen there. You know, he's relied on to be a heavy two-way guy in his game. He's going to play on your power play, play on your penalty kill. Probably your first, second line, depending how good you are. He's probably a second line if you're a cop contending team. But, uh, you know, bring some points. You know, we saw it last year where he was a point-a-game guy, 24 and 24. But uh, this year he seems to be slipping a little bit there, only five and eight. So you'd like to see him expand on that, but he's going to go back to the World Juniors, and have a good season there, and we'll probably see him get some games at the end of this year. Oh wait, he's an O2. Sorry, never mind. He's not going back to the World Juniors. My bad.
0: Well, yeah, it would have been nice to see him go back and you know be able to be a big part of that team. Um, but yeah, like you said. That's a player who could sign near the end of the season, uh, you know, and, you know, all depends on where his trajectory is and how his season goes uh, playing in Michigan. Uh, it would be really cool to be able to to sign him at the end of the year and see him come join the team because let's face it, he's definitely their blue chip prospect here. He's their best prospect, no doubt. Second overall, you know, that's a great pickup for this team. Future number one center written all over him um do you have a bit of doubt about that though with uh you know the start that he's had this year with Michigan and the fact that maybe his offense has almost dipped a bit to start off
1: no I still think he'll be like a 1b but I think if you want to be like a perennial cup contender he's got to be your second guy because he's just that much of a two-way guy I think you still need your number one point producing centerman i think he probably caps out in the 65 points area i think he's got a lot of potential i mean we haven't seen much with nico he having been injured a little bit in his short career but i think he's got something more in that general direction
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i like that comparison uh and it just speaks to how hard it is to be an elite two-way centerman in the league who Uh, puts up point of game or over a point of game numbers. You know, we're talking very few out there. Uh, Sean Couturier did it one time. Um, You're looking at two other guys and Patrice Bergeron and Alexei Kopitar. Uh, Sorry, Alexei, Alex Kopitar there. (laughs) Um, So those are two guys. Anze. Yeah. Did I say Alex? Jesus. (laughs) Just off my game here. Anze Kopitar. That that was brutal. But yeah, those are two elite two way centermen who've been doing it uh, a lot of years here in the NHL and being able to put up those types of uh, point per game numbers. But just speaks to how rare it is to have, you know, elite two way guys who do everything on the ice but can still uh, produce the offense as well. And I guess you could even argue a guy like Nick Backstrom, too. Uh, so he's a bit of an underrated two way player uh, as well, who puts up a lot of offense in his game as well. But it'll be pretty tough for um, Beneers to grow into that elite potential, I think. you know, um, Especially if you talk
1: Nick Backstrom, that's one of the best passers in the game.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the best passers in the game, no doubt. So, yeah, that was the very first uh, pick in the draft. And then coming in as the, the second ever pick for the Seattle Kraken uh, is Defenseman Riker Evans, who plays for the Regina Pats of the WHL. So just a bit of a background on him. Uh, Six foot, left-handed, 192 pounds, as said on Elite Prospects. A guy who had a really, really good season, a shortened season last year, obviously, with COVID, where he put up 28 points in 24 games. And so far, he's off to a really good start this year with the Regina Pats as well. Uh, with 13 points in 11 games. And I believe he's leading all defensemen in the league in points currently. So it just speaks to the kind of start he's having in the WHL. And a player I was really impressed with. um, Got to see him play a preseason game this year. Uh, He's very mobile. uh, A defenseman who skates really well, has very good zone exits. That's what he's known for, is being able to skate out of the zone whether that's with the puck or making a give and go play. And uh, it seems like his shooting is coming along as well. He only had uh, three goals last season, but he's already got two in the back of the net this year. So, you know, a defenseman, I definitely see uh, maybe cracking the lineup two to three years from now. Would you say that's maybe a fair ballpark estimate for him?
1: Oh, I think so for sure. I mean, he's, Later, uh, pick up in the draft as well, not in terms of when he was drafted, but uh late birthday. And I think he was an overage player. So he's pro eligible next year, if I'm not mistaken. So he could be, like you said, two years out, have a good solid AHL year, and then push Seattle for a spot the year after that. And another left handed defenseman, just what we need.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know uh, his ability to play on that right side or whatnot. Uh, I still got to see some more from him to determine, you know, if he could do that or not, but, you know, he was pretty much the only prospect that we seen in camp this year and he impressed. Uh, he definitely turned some eyes um, and, you know, going 35th overall in the 2021 draft is no joke. Um, so kudos to him and let's hope we continue to see that progression out of him going forward. <clears throat> And in the third round, 67th overall, the Kraken took centerman Ryan Winterton. So Ryan Winterton, uh, he's played for the Hamilton Bulldogs. The last game he played, though, was back in the 2019-2020 season. So for those who aren't familiar, the OHL never returned to play all of last season because of COVID. So crappy situation for him where he didn't get any games in. And he's been dealing with some shoulder injuries, too. So even this season, he hasn't got a single game played yet under his belt. So kind of crappy for him um, just because he hasn't been able to play yet this year and not being able to play any games last year, um, you know, really kind of puts a dent in his growth and his ability to keep on building uh, as a player. So tough for him. Don't know too, too much about him yet, but once he starts to play some games, we'll have a better idea. You know, his first year with Hamilton uh, in the 2019-2020 season, he did put up 23 points in 53 games. He was probably playing, you know, a third line role. So, um, you know, as a third liner, those are some pretty good numbers. So maybe a bit of a reach pick here uh, because he was projected to go closer to the top 100 list on a lot of the lists out there. So, you know, if this guy is able to stay healthy, uh, you know, he might project as a middle six centerman. Uh, and he's definitely a guy who knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. So, uh, with this pick, yeah, Seattle picked another centerman and, you know, hoping that he works out. Then, with the fourth pick, 99th overall, uh, they go in a different direction here. And Seattle Kraken take finish defenseman Vili Otavainen. Uh, So Vili Otavainen is a defensive defenseman. Uh, So the good thing is he's a right-handed defenseman because it almost feels like uh, the Seattle Kraken don't have a single right-handed defenseman uh, in their system. So, you know, kudos to them to actually grab one in this draft and not exactly the type of offensive uh, defenseman. Uh, he doesn't really bring that to his game. Don't expect him to be making the, you know, a beautiful breakout passes. Whoever he's paired with is that's going to be his duty. Uh, what Otto Vanden brings to his game is toughness, shutdown ability, and he has shown a little glimpse of some offense uh, playing in the league of this season, as he's produced a little bit of points here. Uh, let me just click into his elite prospects page and I'll get the exact numbers. But again, a defenseman who you're not gonna be expecting to you know put up offensive numbers, he's a big shutdown guy, plays a heavier game, uh, can make a couple good good plays, but you know, he's a guy who you expect to one day maybe play on your penalty kill and you know, without seeing him play, it's pretty hard to project where. Where you kind of see him in the lineup if he can make it there one day, but you got to think it's probably going to be yeah bottom pair defenseman. Would you say that's fair?
1: Yeah, you don't see too much. I mean, you don't really know from your defensive defenseman prospects what they're going to be until they get over into your pro system and you start seeing how they play on North American ice and how they cover their angles and stuff like that. But it's nice to see him doing well in the league there. He's actually doing so well in a defensive defenseman. He's outscoring noted top prospect for this year draft, Brad Lambert, and they're on the same team.
0: Yeah. Five points in 17 games on the back end for him is actually not too bad. And he's playing in the Liga for JYP. Um, So that's in the Finnish league and that's their top men's league. So he's done that the last two years after, um, you know, the COVID thing kind of brought him back home because he was at first playing for the Kitchener Rangers of the OHL. Um, but I think the COVID thing pushed him back home. He was able to get 22 games in uh, the following season with Liga. And so far, 17 games in uh, in that league and five points is definitely no joke. And I would expect him to probably come over and try to find a spot on the on the AHL team coming coming over next season and, you know, getting used to that pro ice and um you know the good thing is he's been playing with men right like the last two seasons that's really going to help his development versus you know playing OHL time so maybe a guy who can find a way in the lineup a little quicker than what you would expect for you know maybe somebody who's playing in the junior level would you agree
1: Yeah, exactly. He's already got pro experience playing against men, like you said. And so now the biggest thing will just be making sure he gets his angles down and his pace on the smaller ranks.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, somebody we'll keep an eye on for sure. And we'll watch his growth and we'll see, you know, where he goes from here. But yeah, the fifth round picked 131st overall is Jacob Mallinson, a right winger. And I'll throw it over to you to kind of talk about this player a bit.
1: Yeah, Mullinson's playing over to Katie Bathurst, Titans there, over in the queue. And if you look at him the last, like, coming up through minor hockey there, he was a bit of a goal scorer wherever he went, or floating around a goal a game if you've him out over his band of a midget years there. And then he gets into the queue, and like every 16-year-old, Woody kind of struggles a little bit. You know, only three goals and 10 points in 39 games there. But last year, last year kind of has a little bit of a breakout year. I mean, I know it was a shortened season, only got 18 games in. But eight goals and 19 points. So about a point a game and half a goal a game and then three points in five playoff games. so kind of shows up for the little short series they had there. And then you look at this here, you want to see him take a bit of a step forward and unfortunately, if you look at his points per game that's dipped a little bit, but it's only 12 games in, nine points there. But his goal scoring's taken a tick up. You know seven goals in 12 games. he's on pace to crush his career high of eight in the queue. And that's something you're going to want to see from this team. We were talking about, we wanted goal scorers coming up. Well, this could be a guy, a late pick, where he could be a middle six scorer for you. You know, if he gets 20, 25 goals a year, that's what you're looking for in that situation from a guy like that.
0: Yeah, and it's the type of guy you kind of want to pick with, you know, your fifth round pick, right? Take a risk on a guy who you're not exactly sure what he'll turn into, but if he does become that perennial goal scorer, then that's a bonus right that's great value you're getting out of a fifth round pick um, going forward so it'll be interesting to see you know his development going forward and if he can continue to produce that offense and produce the goal scoring uh because this team's going to need it down the road right exactly and with their sixth round pick in the draft uh They kind of go in a different direction here. Uh, So it's important to get goalies in your prospect pool. And that's exactly what they do with their 163rd overall pick in the 2021 draft. They take Russian goalie Semyon Vyazovoy. So I think I'm saying that right. (laughs) Who knows? That's a tough last name. (laughs) The Russian ones are, are all over the place. But Vyazovoy, we're going with that. And so far, he's actually, you know, he's putting up some pretty good numbers. He's he's playing over in uh, the Russian Junior League. So that's the MHL. Uh, and so far this season, he has 14 games under his belt. And he's put up some really nice numbers. He's got a 940 save percentage with a 1.77 goals against average with two shutouts for a record of 10-3-1. So a goalie I've never seen play uh, and maybe a guy to keep an eye on who might be a dark horse for potential uh, junior uh, goalie for the Russian squad for the world juniors. So who knows where this guy's going to end up, but don't expect to hear his name anytime soon uh, when it comes to, you know, AHL time and certainly not NHL time. Uh, The big thing with goalies is they take a while to develop, right Durham?
1: off exactly it could be six years from now before we hear from him in terms of nhl time
0: exactly so that's why it's always important to get as many goalies in the system as you can because they really do take a long time to develop and you know this kid's only 18 now uh, sometimes it's not until that 25 26 years old until they really find uh their their way in the nhl and find a spot you know if they end up getting there to begin with so Again, it's your 6th round pick. You're not going to put a whole lot into these picks. Um, It's pretty rare that these picks work out and they play NHL games. But, you know, when you're looking at his stats so far, you got to be happy with what you're seeing. And then to finish things off, uh, the Kraken choose uh, a player out of the U.S. National Development Team program, uh, Justin Janicki. They pick him on 195th overall in the 2021 draft. Again, another player you're not going to put much stock into. Um, But just a note, he is playing for the University of Notre Dame this season. Uh, He's got seven games under his belt and just the one assist to show for it. So, uh, again, a guy who, if he does make it into pro hockey, you're probably looking at him playing at least – three seasons, if not four seasons of university hockey, you know, before he reaches that, that level where he's, you know, comfortable and can be thrown right into pro hockey. So again, a guy who we're going to keep an eye on and watch his development throughout the year, but uh, you know, a seventh round pick, you're not going to put much stock into him. So uh, yeah, that pretty much rounds up uh, the prospects for this team. We'll be keeping an eye on them throughout the year and giving you updates on how they're doing. Um, but yeah, so far, that's the, that's all they got for prospects. So definitely uh, not many in the system, but you can't argue it. Franchise, New franchise, so they've only had the one draft. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5.00 on an NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So NFL fans download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code THPN bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And you win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, welcome back to Keeping Up with the Krakens. I'm still joined by Alec Durham, and we're going to move on uh, with some topics around the NHL that are happening or have happened uh, in this last week here. So starting off with maybe a, a touchy, sensitive topic, and you know one that is a very bad look uh, on the NHL currently, and that's uh, what's happening with the Blackhawks organization right now. Um, Do you want to touch on kind of some stuff that's going on around that team currently Durham?
1: Well, yeah, like, like you mentioned earlier before, when we were talking before coming on here, you number one thing you want to do is kudos to Kyle beach for having the courage and strength to come forward and be named in his accusations and the shit that he had to go through, which no human being should ever have to. It's just pretty disappointing situation. Tough luck on, not just the organization, but like the people involved in it.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, definitely a tough look. And for anyone not familiar with, you know, what we're talking about here, um, back in May, 2010, um, former video coach, Brad Aldrich, who was, you know, the video coach for the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, sexually abused, former first round pick Kyle Beach of, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, and yeah, there's been some fallout from it um, and some much-deserving fallout from it, as, as we've seen uh, management people stepping down in the organization. Um, so, you know, that would include uh, general manager Stan Bowman, as well as senior director of hockey administration Al McIsaac, who, uh, who stepped down. And not only them, uh, Joel Quenville stepped down too as head coach of the Florida Panthers. Um, So all people part of that that management group who kind of were brought, you know, aware of the situation and don't think they acted uh, appropriately upon the information given to them. And, you know, that's why 11 years later, they're losing their jobs over it. And yeah, it's, it's just a shitty situation, but you got to, you got to do something, right? You, you got to make an example of these people in these management positions and really show that, you know, this kind of shit just doesn't belong in the NHL and doesn't belong anywhere in the world, you know, let alone the NHL. And, you know, it's just sickening to hear some of the details that have been going on you know, and this is an ongoing investigation, so I'm sure there's more to come of it. And like you said earlier, just kudos to Kyle Beach for coming forth and, you know, sharing his story. And I I can't imagine how hard that's got to be. And, you know, we've seen a lot of support flooding out from the hockey community, uh, players online and social media, um, you know, reaching out to him and sharing their thoughts and, letting them know that they support him and they love him. And, you know, I can't imagine there's a lot of people, you know, behind the curtains doing the same thing and reaching out to him. Um, And this is going to be an ongoing battle for this guy for, you know, probably the rest of his life because sexual abuse is no joke. And I, I really hope that uh, this Brad Aldrich guy pays for this uh, in one way or another And, yeah, if there's any positives out of it, they're they're trying to take his name off uh, the Stanley Cup, which, you know, thank God for that, because that guy does not deserve, you know, any of that credit. I mean, this guy should be thrown in jail. Um, And the worst thing is, you know, he went on to do this two other times in the next couple years, you know whether it was at the college level or, you know, I believe when he coached high school hockey. So, yeah, because, because of the way they handled the situation, this Predator was able to strike multiple times. And, you know, it's a bit of a bad luck on the NHL. Um, they only fine the Blackhawks $2 million for their mishandling of these allegations, which just seems <laughs> like such a like joke. almost seems like, yeah, like it's absolutely nothing. But yeah, like we said, ongoing investigation more to come from this. So I'm sure it's something we're going to have to, you know, touch on later on, but you know, we're here, we're here for you, Kyle. And all the credit goes out to you for, you know, coming forth and and telling your story because that's got to be the hardest situation of all of this. And uh, yeah, moving on to some other topics, uh, We've been hearing some rumors about Jack Eichel. Is a deal finally happening? And, you know, a couple of the teams rumored to be right in the thick of things right now. Uh, It's mainly Vegas rumors, but I I am still hearing a few Calgary rumors. Let's kind of focus our attention on Vegas here. What do you think it's going to take as a trade to get Eichel in a Vegas sweater?
1: A lot. They're going to have to move, like, I saw someone, I forget who it was, so sorry, I can't give them credit, but they posted a tweet detailing which major, like, there's a lot of money that's going to have to be moved for them to be able to bring Eichel in, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. So it was detailing, like, which players they had that would have to total up to, I think it was about half million was what they figured on they would have to get rid of in order to bring him in to fit under the cap which that's a lot. Like you're looking at two guys from your top six and a defenseman almost. Yeah. Is that really worth it to be bringing Eichel in? I mean, obviously it's fucking Jack Eichel. Like if this works out and the surgery works well and he gets healthy again, you're probably looking at a top 20, 25 player in the league.
0: Yeah. That's what you're expecting Eichel to be post-surgery, you know, at the bare minimum, because he's, capable of being a top 10 player in this league. Um, But yeah, four years left at 10 million after this season, uh, they're going to have to bring some money over. Who who do you think might be part of that deal? Because personally, I'm not making that deal without uh, Peyton Krebs coming back my way. If I'm the Buffalo Sabres, what do you think?
1: I think for sure. I think, You know, you reunite Peyton Krebs and Dylan Cousins, who played together a lot growing up, I believe. Both being Western Canada boys. And uh, I think someone that'll be coming back from the NHL roster would probably be William Carlson. I mean, that's a centerman that makes a fair bit of change. You got Chandler Stevenson that works well with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty when they're both coming back healthy. And he's not an expensive option at centre as well. So if you're able to run in your top six with Stevenson and Eichel, then you're looking pretty damn solid and you probably don't need Carlson on your third line.
0: Yeah. And that would open up uh, maybe an opportunity for Nolan Patrick to continue to kind of gain experience and, you know, hope that he can turn into a solid uh, reliable center in the NHL as well. But yeah, there's going to have to be some, some guys coming back who are, you know, roster players. So it's going to be a bit of a gamble, but what better team than Vegas to take that gamble, right?
1: <laughs> is that a Sin City reference?
0: I think it is. I think it is. Well done. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to just see an Eichel deal finally happen. Um, but, yeah, it's obviously going to be a risk. This guy hasn't even got his surgery yet, so you're pretty much hoping that he's at least back for playoffs. Yeah. Um, at the very latest, right. And, and hoping that, you know, he gets in five to 10 games perhaps before playoffs. So, you know, he can find his groove a bit, but that would be a pretty deadly top line having him between uh patch and stone. That could be a very, very, very good line in the NHL, you know, maybe pushing a top five first line in the NHL, perhaps.
1: I think I'd start him with, Marsa Show on one side and Tuck on the other side. Leave Stevenson with like Hatcher and, and Stone. You know, they've got proven chemistry. They've shown they can dominate games. And if you get Eichel and Tuck working together, that's a big, strong connection where they could probably dominate a power forward game. And they've got this hand too. There's a lot of still involved there. Then you get Marsa Show speeding around into spots, find an open ice. That could work.
0: It could. It definitely could. I actually have a feeling that Alex Tuck might be traded uh and going the other way, potentially. It's just cause he's been on uh IR, so he hasn't even been counting towards the cap. So he might be a good uh trade piece. He's still quite young. Um, you know, a guy I, I really like. I love Alec Tuck Alex Tuck's play and what he brings. Uh, when he's out there and, and the pace he plays with and he always seems to be at his best in the biggest games and shows up huge in playoffs so maybe something that you would think is still a ways away in Buffalo but how can you argue right now with the start they've had
1: they're on fire is it
0: they are on fire and you know a lot of people are just going to look at it and say oh they're going to slow down Uh it's a fluke Buffalo's playing way beyond the type of team they are but it's going to be hard to argue if they, you know, continue to play this well and, you know, continue to put up points and yeah, it, I, I'm i just kind of blown away and impressed with what they've done so far this season. All right, moving along to some other notes here. Uh, Morgan Riley signs a huge deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Eight years, 60 million total Comes out to $7.5 average annual. Give me your thoughts on this deal, Durham. What do you think about it?
1: Has Morgan Riley the 1D signed in the last four months that doesn't start with like eight and a half? Oh, I guess Pellick was there too. (laughs) Yeah, true. Still, nice to see somebody in Toronto take a fucking discount.
0: Yeah, he definitely took a discount. I would have thought that Riley could easily be around that eight and a half, uh, nine million, especially with what Deer getting paid these days and what he brings to that team. He definitely took a discount, but still when you include him with the other four big names on this team, you know, your, your Matthews, your Tavares, your Marner, your Nylander between these five guys, they now take up Fifty-eight point eight percent of the eighty-one point five million dollars salary cap. How are they going to continue to build around these five guys? That seems. I tell you pretty what, that ridiculous. power play unit a
1: better score at least every game.
0: You all, yeah. You think of how much money is on the ice every time? That's just insane. They're going to struggle, though. I don't know. Like, do you really think that Toronto can push far in playoffs with these guys locked up, all making, you know, over half the team's salary cap between five players?
1: They're in a tough division. I'd like to see them make playoffs. Florida and Tampa are sick. Boston's pushing. I mean, fuck, they were chasing Detroit going into that game the other night.
0: Yeah. Buffalo's ahead of them by a few points. Certified um, wagon again. Certified, certified wagon. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what Buffalo's it's able to November. do. It's still November. Buffalo's we're, a wagon. Yeah. I remember From that six they got off the to a couple of years off. ago. They, yeah, they got went like that. 10 in a row. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, some of those players were popping of off. Jeff Skinner was popping off. And then he got paid way above what he should have been. But that's kind of going off topic there. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm a Sens fan too. So um, I love Morgan Riley, though. Like, I I think this is a great deal for them, no doubt. I mean, they lock him up. You know, he's a leafer for life now when you look at it. Um, You know, he's going to be about 35 years old by the time this deal is over. So essentially, you know, I think he was drafted, what, 2012, fifth overall?
1: Yep. Yep. So And it's funny looking back because remember, I remember you and I watching the draft and Brian Burke's interview after selecting Morgan Riley. And he goes, oh, we had him at the number one pick in the draft. And we both scoffed at that and laughed. And you look back now and it's like, you know what? He might be better than – he's definitely better than the four guys selected ahead of him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can make some arguments maybe for some guys that got picked after him. But when you look at the top five uh, picks that year – Morgan Riley is no doubt the top pick of that draft. So, yeah, kudos to him. He got a big payday. Uh, We'll we'll see what, you know, crazy moves Toronto's going to have to do to uh, sustain that salary cap and be under it or at at least tied with it uh, going forward. But, yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on.
1: Who's in the worst cap situation, Vegas or Toronto?
0: yeah a bit of a tough one man i i gotta say toronto just because they have Gee, all these guys vegas. locked up vegas is tough but i mean you, you take a look some 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 of those deals will be coming out you, you know, like they're big deals they got guys locked up too long term so yeah that's a good debate because they're both uh in those situations um
1: so, I'm going with Vegas because they literally played shorthanded last year because their cap screwed them over so hard.
0: Yeah. And, you know, to counterpart that argument, Toronto's, you know, hasn't been able to, you know, have the same amount of roster players as any other team can because they've had to uh, only carry a certain amount of players because of their cap situation as well. So, definitely two teams yeah. who are. Pushing the limits on salary cap, to say
1: the least. We're forty cents under the cap today. We'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah,
0: and some other notes too. Uh, Max McCormick was called up uh, from Charlotte, and you know he's joined the team for the next couple games here with Seattle. Uh, so that happened because of the Mason Appleton being placed on injured reserve. So Max McCormick. A guy who's going to be playing fourth line minutes. I wouldn't expect him to get moved up any further up in the lineup. A tenacious guy um, who, you know, has shown a bit of offense in the in the AHL level, but never at the the NHL level when he's played games. Uh, He's only had a handful so far in the last five years, but. You know, don't expect too much out of this guy. Just a bit of a tenacious guy who's going to forecheck hard. uh, Not afraid to mix it up. Not afraid to drop the gloves. So, a guy who might find himself in the lineup either tonight or tomorrow in um, in Edmonton. So we'll we'll see how things play out. And kind of speaking of of games coming up, uh, we got a fun week ahead of us with uh, tonight's game, of course, against the Rangers. This is going to be the last game of the four uh, the fourth game on the home stand. So, uh, should be a really fun game tonight and then Edmonton tomorrow. And we got Buffalo on November 4th in Seattle and then back on the road in Arizona Saturday night, November 6th. Um, so what's your expectations for tonight's game?
1: A lot of shots. I mean, that might be for my own purposes, but a lot of shots I'm hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what
0: happens. They are a tough team. They're off to a really good start. They're five, two, and one. That had a, a road stand where they won four games in a row, too. So kudos to them for uh, you know, winning some of those tougher games uh that you're gonna play throughout the season early on. And yeah, this is looking like a typical goaltending battle in this one with Shesh Durkin and Grubauer both uh getting the starts tonight. So yeah, should be a fun battle and another great test for Seattle going into this one
1: both those goalies are hot coming into this game too.
0: Oh yeah. Like they're both playing at the top of their level and shutting the door as of late. So, you know, it might be a low scoring game. Um, I'm going to put a bit of a prediction out there though. What I think the score is going to be, I'm going to go with four, three overtime win for the Kraken and Jaden Schwartz scores a power play goal in overtime to get, uh, either his first or possibly second of the game, second of the season. Ooh. So that's going to be my prediction. I'm going to throw it over to you uh, and we'll see, you know, who might be the closest uh, predicting this game.
1: You're going to be do this. All right. All right. I'm going to go. Three, two Rangers in regulation. Just because they're hot three-two right now. Rangers. Okay. And I mean, I know I'm Seattle's hot right tracking. now, too. I know. It's I'm a bit, douche.
0: Bit sacrilegious. Nope.
1: It's okay. <laughs> don't ask my opinion if you don't want it.
0: <laughs> I hate your opinion. No, no, it's okay, man. That's It's all about predicting, right? So, uh, 3 2 game. Uh, If you think it goes that way, that should be a fun game, Uh, you know, Halloween night. So anything can happen on Halloween. So we'll see how things play out. And then the very next night they have to fly into cold ass Alberta uh, and play in Edmonton. And they've been another team who's been on fire. So that's, gonna be a very very tough battle um they're gonna have to try to find a way to shut down the big stars in Edmonton being you know McDavid and Drys Idol and even throwing Hopkins in there uh even though he's a step down from them but he's still putting up some some really big points and you know him and Hyman and and Pooley too who you know they're all off to some awesome starts and then you know that's gonna be a tough game That's going to be a real tough game. Second game on a back to back. So, you know, Edmonton's going to be well rested as well.
1: So prediction for that game. Don't make me do it. We (laughs) just went through this. Seattle on a back to back going into Edmonton. You're going to make everybody hate me. I'm picking Edmonton to win that one too,
0: (laughs) man. It's going to be a tough game. I'll be very impressed. It's just not a whole lot. Yeah, if Seattle can pull away, uh, pull away with a win in that game, Edmonton's going to be a, a tough, tough opponent. But they're going to be seeing them a lot this season, so you know, put up a, a fight. But you know, you got to think Grubauer's not going to be starting that game. Um, if if he starts that game, I think they're probably uh, a little insane for doing that. But I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see DeCord get another start. I think he deserves it. But uh, that's going to be a tough, tough game to start for him. And, you know, you're kind of just hoping that he doesn't get pulled and that they put up a fight and keep it close.
1: Yeah, here you go, kid. Here's the top two scorers in the league. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. Oh, yeah, we're on a back-to-back. We played the Rangers last night, who are, like, second in their division. Not a big deal. And
0: then you play a
1: rested uh, Edmonton team, who has like the best power player in in the league (laughs) yeah and the best player to play hockey according to ryan whitney and he's probably right
0: yeah honestly yeah you take a look at all the greats but you know he's talking in a standpoint of you know the best player to play the game on a skill basis it's hard to argue against mcdavid with what you see him do day or night in and night out Um, just incredible if anything, you're gonna you get to watch the L. So, it might be an L. Like, an an exactly. And then, yeah, they'll be playing Buffalo and Arizona. So, games I expect them to um, compete and, Win. and not only complete, but get the get the Ws in those games. So. Yeah, we'll see how those play out. We'll be excited to break those down uh, next weekend and be able to talk about those games in more depth. So, you know, go crack and go and, you know, join us next podcast as, you know, we break down all four of those games and keep you updated with all things NHL related. So, once again, thanks a lot for joining Durham and uh, thanks for joining Crackheads. And you have yourselves a
1: great week.